0: Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, RaceChaser Media's Tom Baker
1: welcome to another episode of the inside group supermodified podcast this is episode 25 believe it or not Uh, and as always it is presented by ipc indie or indie performance composites jeff west Uh, And his staff, uh, 100% behind this show, and we are so grateful for their support, as always. uh, Also being brought to you by Skip's Fish Fry. Sean Cathcart and his staff make the absolute best fish in the city of Oswego. If you are anywhere uh, in Oswego for any length of time, for any reason, make sure that you make Skip's Fish Fry one of your stops for uh, a lunch or dinner uh, stop because they just uh, they have the best stuff in town. Of course, also uh, a part of the concession area at the Oswego Speedway, and also this show being brought to you by JNS Paving. Our thanks to Rich Worth and his staff for uh, all of their support. As well, if you need uh, a driveway paved or anything uh, of that nature, please. Uh, Just uh, give them a call or uh, reach out to Rich on Facebook, and they'll be glad to take care of you. Okay, Uh, my name is Tom Baker, and uh, starting the show a little differently this week. Last week, we had a marathon interview with Jamie Moore, uh, and that was a, a blast to do. Told some really great stories, and I thought well, how can we change things up just a little bit this week and find uh, someone who could tell some stories, but uh, from a slightly different point of view and maybe beyond the scope of supermodified racing to a point. And I said, you know what? It's time to get Ryan Conium on the show. We had Warren, of course, his dad, on one of our early shows, and Warren was a big hit and happy to now bring Ryan uh to the program and talk with him a little bit uh i think a lot of people know ryan if you're a long time a speedway fan of course you know ryan and you know that he raced uh small block or limited back then super modifieds at the speedway for a good bit and uh spent a fair amount of time running super modifieds on the isma uh tour and drove for uh continues actually every once in a while to pop up driving one of the uh Lichty Cars, had his own car for a bit, um, and has been doing some sprint car racing over the years as well, and has returned to that, but there's even more to Ryan than all of that, and we'll uh, try to cover some of that ground as well as we uh, unfold our conversation with him, so we'll say, uh, welcome to Inside Groove, Ryan, it is really cool to have you on the podcast.
2: Wow, that's quite an introduction, Tom, I appreciate it, Uh, glad to be here.
1: Well, we're we're happy to have you here. And um, the last that you and I had chatted on Classic Weekend, uh, I understood that you were kind of moving back in the direction of doing more sprint car racing and moving back east. But uh, I think I may have misinterpreted that—that that you you're not actually. Because uh, you're still in Denver, uh, you just told me yesterday. So you're not actually moving closer to the East Coast. You're just doing more racing on the East Coast. Is that about uh, how that's working out for you right now?
2: Actually, no, you got it right. Um, oh. I'm, not, I'm not living in Denver anymore. Um, I've, I've got a house in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Um, I, just, I just had to come out to Denver to deal with something. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. So I get to be out here this weekend.
1: I gotcha. Okay. Is it snowing out there? It,
2: they they had a bunch of snow when I came in, um, but it's starting to warm up and it's going away. Oh, good! That's kind of one of the things I miss about this city. It's, uh, if you don't like the weather now, just wait 20 minutes. It'll be totally different.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> growing up in the Swigo, it was basically the same way. Uh, I think anywhere where there's a proclivity for extremes in weather, you get that kind of fluctuation. But, uh, so you're living in Cleveland now. That's interesting. Um, home of the Browns, uh, and, uh, a lot of other cool sports teams. Uh, but also not all that far from Sandusky Speedway and the whole kind of MSS territory out there. So at least there's somewhat of a super modified fan base in that area.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, being back East, uh, it's definitely more in the heart of racing than Denver, Colorado. Um, I I think there's a little bit here. I, I actually, I think this is one of the few states I've never even raced in, um, Interesting. Yeah it's 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 a lot it's a lot easier uh, to race back east and uh, yeah it's just good to be back closer to home and obviously lots of friends and family. Now back that direction
1: was it a specific uh, sort of job or or career situation that brought you to Cleveland? I, I don't know too many people who just sort of look at a map of the U.S. and go, yeah, Cleveland, let's go. Uh,
2: you know it. it, it it kind of worked out a little wi- weird. Um, I did. I did make a change um, per- professionally. Yeah. And uh, and they just basically said, you know, geographically, wherever you want to land, um, let us know, and we'll work around that. And you know, with the intent to go back racing sprint cars, some um, Ohio is a fairly easy spot to do that from. For you sure. Can, you, you, You can run, you know, upstate New York stuff. You can run Ohio. You can run Indiana, Michigan. Um, And it's, you know, a six to eight hour radius, and you can hit a a good number of races. So that was kind of the thinking, and, you know, I think that's kind of what we're going to employ next year.
1: Okay. So let's go back a little bit, because I I want to go all the way back with you and, first of all, just talk about, how it all got started for you. Of course, uh, your dad, Warren being one of the all time greats to ever sit in a super modified and race at the Oswego Speedway. And also one of my favorite people in super modified racing from the time I was about five. um, You know, you, you obviously grew up with it and you had, you had Warren, you had uh, obviously your, your grandpa, Doug Sire was involved in the sport What is, if you can think back, what is your earliest or what are your earliest memories of racing, super modifieds, whatever? What are your earliest memories of kind of that whole thing?
2: Oh, man. Uh, There's so many of them. You know, um, living at Clyde and Sue Booths every week in the summer. Um, Oh, wow you know uh while they get ready to go racing i think we would usually get there on uh thursday night or a friday and then we'd go racing wherever it may be um that weekend you know whether it was oswego or whether we took the car or whether they took the car and went racing a wing show somewhere okay um so you know um a lot of a lot of memories of that uh You know, I was, I was pretty young. My dad retired when I was, uh, six. Okay. And, um, that was his last year. Um, and then, you know, when it was, when it was big races, uh, like the classic and whatnot, I I wasn't always allowed to go. Uh, he he was there to do a job and stay focused. So, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, I don't have a lot of memories of the classic. Okay. Um, but but certainly so many good memories of, of just being around race cars and growing up around it, and you know in my grandpa's garage. Obviously, my grandpa all owned his own, so at, at his shop, you know, I, I could see them. But um, certainly, you know, Clyde and Sue Booth were a huge part of it, um, and, and so many great people that it's so crazy to see today. Um, you know, some of the some of my greatest memories in uh in racing when i when i was younger uh racing a sprint car a bunch i'd come back and run the odd um wing show yeah and and i can remember i, I was pretty young uh we were at cayuga for a, a canadian show when um brad litke on the track yes and uh and obviously uh you know uh, brad and everybody they're like family they, they treat me so good um and he'd give me the opportunity to run the car when it didn't conflict with sprint car racing. Well, however it, it worked out, we, we ended up, I don't know, second or something like that on this given night. But I can remember, um, I'll never forget this Joe go sick you know, we were kind of battling for the win with Joe and I was, I was somewhat in awe sitting there. Cause I mean, I had watched Joe when I was real little, Sure, you know, I could, I can remember watching my dad race with Joe, And then now, you know, uh, I've been lucky enough to race with Ordway and Ordway Jr. and, you know, uh, Brandon Ballinger. It's just really, it's pretty cool how the world spins. And um, if you're lucky enough to be born into a racing family, you know, and that's that's a a passion you choose to chase down, uh, often you get to see, uh, progression of, of many people in the same situation.
1: Well, I've said f- for years and years and, and, and have said it several times this year on this show, um, I've been involved in a lot of different um, aspects of the sport, as have you as well. And um, I I have not seen, with the exception of maybe, you know, the odd dirt track uh, here or there, I have never seen more multi-generational involvement in one particular division or track, you know, part of the sport that I've seen at a Swiggo and, and in supermodifieds in general. And, and uh, you know, as you said, if you're lucky enough to be born into a racing family, it, there's all that to sort of to go do, but at the same time, the people that you get to meet and and who become, you know, lifelong friends. I mean, it—they become family, as you said. The Lichties, you know, are are uh, are are—I'm sure—like family to you. And you've driven for them a number of times. I think you—you you kept when you had your car. I think you kept your. Did you keep the the 46 car with them as well? I did. Yeah. 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 They yeah. housed it yeah.
2: and maintained it and took it to the racetrack. And you know, they—they they helped me. um way back when I was in sprint cars and got my first crack at running the world of outlaws at the end of the, Oh, I want to say it was maybe the end of the 2001 season. Uh, Shane Stewart got let go from Holbrook Motorsports, Um, and I got the nod to run that car for the balance of the year. Um, you know, Brad and along with my parents and, um, a number of people helped put that deal together. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's definitely unique to sprint car or to, uh, to super modified racing, I think, uh, to the extent that that many people stay that involved, Yeah, uh, but you know, you, you see it, you do see it in other, other forms of oh, yeah. um, racing. Um, but certainly, uh, with, with the legacy of Oswego Speedway and, you know, um uh, how cool super modifieds are, it's, it's really interesting to see.
1: Well, it is. And I, I just think, I mean, you look at, you just think about some names off the top of our heads. Of course, you know, a pair of coniums, you know, and, and, and Doug Sire, that, that kind of that whole family and Doug Jr. building motors, not necessarily driving, but building motors. Um, you know, you've got the Muldoons, the Joyas, the Bellingers, and there were three Muldoons, or there are three Muldoons so far that have been, um, you know, all of, you just keep, right on going down the list and, in it, it feels like, you know, a quarter or more of the Oswego Speedway field every year is multi-generational. And then you got the Schullocks and, you know, the Midwest guys and the Ordways and those, you know, guys from New England. It's, it's amazing. Um, but you started, um, your, you started racing obviously, I think if I'm not mistaken, you started in go-karts, right? At least that's where I first met you.
2: Was- I did actually. Uh yeah. Um when my dad retired, you know, we uh it, it started with a toe in the water and before long, you know, we had <laughs> dove in pretty heavy. In the deep end. <laughs> um it it be it, it it became as much of a passion for me as, you know, for my dad replacing um him not being you know, able not running anymore. Um, he was all in on, on go-karts. So, uh, you know, and, and so many people have that story. And oh, it's, yeah. It's just you're so lucky and you look back on it now and there's mm. no way to even put it in perspective for people that don't, uh, that don't do it or aren't involved. Um, but, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. So, we, you know, we, went, we kind of progressed from go-karts and found – you know, whatever series and, and pit gate I could get in, uh, at the age of 15, it happened to be, you know, like an open wheel modified. Um, and and then just kind of progressed up the ranks, uh, from there, we did run a season of the limiteds at Oswego. Um, then from there we, we got into ROC modifieds, you know, Oh, that's that,
1: right. I forgot all yeah. about that chapter of your career. Wow, you yeah. did run a
2: modified, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I, uh, I was at that stage where, uh, and, and, you know, I've been through this stage a couple of times, so how bright am I, but, um, <laughs> you know, where I probably was trying to do too much uh, with the tools I had and, you know, wound up in trouble in a lot of places. We went through a fair bit of equipment with that. Um, had some decent, had some decent runs. Uh, but you know, we were, we were, we were overextended, uh, both from a, both from probably a, a capability and knowledge standpoint, um, as well as, um, you know, what we could afford to do, uh, feasibly. Uh, so that was actually, uh, I believe that year was the last year we owned race cars. Oh, okay. Um, and I think I, I would say I was probably sixteen or seventeen at the time. Um, and then I was lucky enough a fan of my dad's. And you know, this is this is where people who grow up in in a in a racing family have the have the leverage, or, or you know capacity um to get opportunities that other folks might not get right Uh, a fan a fan of my dad's um just happened to you know connect with us and say do you want to try a sprint car and I was like well you know I was always under the impression that dirt really was for growing potatoes (laughs) but uh, (laughs) uh, uh you know that that I, I fell in love with it the first lap, and, you know, that was driving for Rick Burt. And uh, we did it very much at a, a local level okay. um, to start. And then, man, that that blossomed pretty quickly and had some good runs and had some wins. Um, and then again, you know, to kind of exploit the, the fact that a fan of my dad's um, was connected to a company called VSM Abrasives. And BSM Abrasives was took a a really uh, um, title sponsor, I would say, of uh, of a series, a small series. And, and we got connected with him, and you know, he just came to me and said, "I want to go racing. I don't want to sponsor a series anymore. I want to sponsor a car, and uh, would be inter- want to know if if you want to th- be involved." I think I can so help I him like, with that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? And, you know, you you hear these stories from people and they blow smoke and you you don't know what to expect. And this guy just said, yeah, I'll be back from Germany in two weeks. Let's get together. Uh, Sure enough, in two weeks, uh, we we got back together and, you know, we started at a kind of a regional 360 deal, um, and you know, gained some notoriety and and, and got going pretty well. Was that that the uh, Southern
1: Ontario
2: well yeah. that's where it started. That's oh, okay. that we that that was the series that he sponsored. Oh, okay. Because um, I remember but, that. Yeah. So we ran that for half a year, um, and then we ran um the Empire Super okay. Straight. Yeah,
1: that's that series, sure. Yep.
2: Yeah, for half a year. And then the following year, you know, we we got pretty serious about it. Uh we were buying cars and a components off of Junior Holbrook. Uh oh, they owned wow. They owned a, a a lot of good race cars uh for good drivers. Sure, yeah. Um, got our first big truck and trailer and you know, we started racing I think, you know, that year we probably raced fifty five times um with the three sixty all over the place. Wow. I say all over the I, I say all over the place, but you know, um maybe a little bit further uh than than the Empire Super Sprints. Yeah, sure. Took us.
1: A little bigger regional kind of Direction, yeah, not necessarily exactly. cross country, but you know, just a bigger, more ambitious uh, uh, map than what you were doing with the SS. That's
2: correct. Yeah, um, and then when we got to the end of that season, um, you know, we had talked about getting a four ten, so so we got a we had, we got a four ten and ran a handful of uh, at the time gum out races, and actually. You know, the the funniest thing, our our first 410 show, um, we were supposed to run in Ohio, got rained out, had to, you know, haul ass back to upstate New York to run a a point show for ESS. Oh, wow. Um, And then we wound up running a gum out show um, at Fonda. Okay. And, you know, I, I... I remember we won, we won one of the dashes, uh, and I was, I was just kind of floored. It was hilarious because there's <laughs> no way we should have been winning a dash. Um, had a good run that night. And then the next time we ran it, we went out to – we were in Iowa for the, what was called the Tournament of Champions, a, a big 360 race. Okay. And we happened to run another gum out show. And with, like, two laps to go, uh, we were running second to Tyler Walker. Um, it was a rubbered-up racetrack, so we kind of inherited that second place uh, by default. And then, uh, like, on the last lap or something, both Tyler and I ran out of fuel. So we, we kind of got a decent rhythm uh, for, running, um, for running 410 races. Okay. And... And uh, Hal, who was uh, with VSM at the time, uh, said, okay, we're going full tilt at this. Let's pick a series. And so we picked the All-Stars, and the following year, um, that that same year, I finished out in the 8H car, and um, we uh, the following year, we hit the All-Stars full-time. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun, you know. We got... That was when the All-Stars and the Outlaws ran a lot of co-sanctioned shows. I, I think we probably had, oh, uh, goodness, maybe 20 co-sanctioned races with the Outlaws. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty big eye-opener. And, you know, we, that's I, I learned a lot of lessons. I so. can
1: imagine, yeah. I mean... And who would have thought? Because obviously, when you know when you were growing up, I mean, your dad raised supers, right? And so you you started go karts, and then you know, kind of went here and went there. And next thing you know, you're you're headed toward a national sprint car situation on the dirt <laughs> like that. Again, you just never know where the sport can take you. Sometimes,
2: yeah, you know, it, it's um, I just I'm I'm so lucky to have been able to do some of the things that I've I've gotten to do and. You know, so much of it all just goes back to my last name. Um, you know that 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 opened a lot of doors, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't remind myself that a
1: lot. Well, so it's it's a humbling thing, right? Because you get you kind of keep yourself grounded, and it's like you know, look what I had the chance to do. How thankful am I to to have been you know a part of all that? Um, and as you said, you're, you you. It isn't that you were, and and again, I think people, you know, the big the 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 popular thing today, especially when you hear, you know, some fans talk about NASCAR. Seems to be NASCAR takes the brunt of this, but you know, spoiler to rich kids. If it wasn't for his name, or if it wasn't for their money, or daddy's money, or whatever, you weren't handed anything. You had connections because of the the last name, but it isn't like you were gifted these opportunities you had to go prove you could drive and you had to obviously live up to expectations in order for these things to continue to happen in your career, to continue to grow.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, 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 I would say um, if I'm being honest, it, 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 wasn't really a talent thing though. It was, I, I probably outworked people. Okay. Well, um,
1: but that's part of it too.
2: Sure. Uh, it, like in the 360 thing, you know, we, we were really a well-prepared 360 team. Um, and for having no experience, really, we were, we really were out punting our coverage in a lot of cases. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to attribute a lot of that to some of the guys that I ran with, you know, they were willing to help. Um, I'll never forget something that, I mean, I, I just, I will never forget this in my life. Um, we're running the ESS deal for the first time and we're fast, but we're chewing up equipment. Um, and I, and I'm wearing cars out pretty good and, you know, how good sure. enough to just, you know, right, let's get another one. Well, <laughs> we were, we were at this, this racetrack and I get the two confused at, there's State Line and Irez, so we're running a, a Saturday-Sunday. Yeah. And I think it was Stateline we were at first. And this was, the, this was the first time I really busted my ass. I went for one hell of a ride trying to go from, like, you know, 10th to the lead. In the lap. lap. Yeah. Yeah. And after the race, uh, Lance Young, who is a really good sprint car super, racer.
1: Super nice guy, too.
2: A great guy. Yes. Um, you know, he, had, he, he ran central Pennsylvania, and he was now running the ESS deal. Right. He came up to me, and he's like, you know what? You'll probably win a bunch of races, but you're never going to win a championship. He says, you got to slow down. He says, take what's given to you. And these are all things, you know, my dad uh, instilled in me over the years, but it's one thing to hear it from your dad, just and it's another to say, thing to hear it yeah. from a, a competitor who yep. you really respect. Yeah. Well, the next night we're at you know the, I, I think it was Eras, and these are not places that are in my real wheelhouse. You know, small, slick, finesse places, and uh, we ran second, and the leader got disqualified for not going to the scale or, or something like that, and. Uh, Lance comes up to me after the race. He's like, see, you're so patient now. You, you don't even have to pass people on the racetrack. You can pass them in the pits and still win races. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, some of those moments, um, you look back on and, and you really appreciate the group of competitors that you're with, whether it's in super modifieds or whether it's in, uh, sprint cars And, you know, every one of us has these stories, you know, that that mentors are um, are willing to teach us. And uh, that's pretty humbling. You know, guys like Dale Blaney have helped me a lot. Like when I started running the All-Star deal, he was one of the first guys um, to, you know, stick his hand in in the cockpit and say, Hey, man, use your head here. Do you want to do this or you're going to want to do that? Sure. Um yeah, it it's really cool looking back and, and seeing some of those things.
1: So at some point you were running sprint cars and then you went in a really different direction. Um you stopped racing or at least you cut back your racing. You can kind of explain the transitional, but you ended up down here um working um I want to say Michael Waltrip might have been your first opportunity but you can tell me better but you ended up in NASCAR and climbed all the way to Crew Chief. Can what, what can you take us back to sort of that point in your life you're racing sprint cars how did it go from racing sprint cars and maybe you know on the verge of national series or whatever to you know to to hey let's go let's go to work in NASCAR.
2: So um you know, one thing that uh, I I've, I've learned about myself kind of later in my career is, um, you know, to make your living at any professional sport, uh, you got to be really good about a bad night. That's the end of the bad night. And you got to focus on the next night yes. for it to be better. How you handle um, the
1: downtimes. Yes.
2: Yeah, I I was never very good at that. You know, oh. it really didn't it really didn't matter where we ran, it wasn't good enough. Uh we could have had a great night, I could still just focus on the bad night. So that that was gonna be the demise of my career at some point. So I coupled that with, you know, the, the, the business aspect of racing and, and regardless of what level at that, there's politics, there's business and sure. you know it really sucks the life out of why you do what you do. Um, You know, I would say when that's probably the single, one of the bigger advantages, if you have money and you're not beholden to the politics or the business side of racing, you can really focus on what you like to do about it. Right. Um, But, you know, when you're trying to find rides and trying to put together sponsorship deals and stuff like that, it, that, it, it took a toll on me anyhow. So I was lucky enough, um, Kenny Jacobs was driving for um, Pete Grove in the 70 car. They had a pretty big year. Uh, I think they were third at the Knoxville Nationals. Um, well, the following year, actually not too long after they ran third at Knoxville, uh, Pete got a hold of me, and he said, Hey, man, I'm looking to do something different for next year. Um, wondered if you'd be interested in driving a 70 car. And I mean, it, it was a car oh, wow. that just ran third yeah. of the Knoxville nationals. So, uh, he's like, you know, I, I, th- I think our, our, our rookie year in the all-stars, we ran fourth in points. So we had a decent year. Right. And that's what, that's what Pete wanted to do. He wanted to run, uh, the all-stars and he really wanted to take a swing at a championship. um, and so I was like, absolutely, man, that's, I mean, that's what I want to do. Well, that, that did not go so well. Um, oh. y- you know, we just, we couldn't get a rhythm. We couldn't, I just wasn't happy. They weren't happy. Uh, so I wound up quitting halfway through the year and, and that was a pretty tough decision because you know, I, <laughs> what am I going to do? I've been yeah, driving a race car really. for a living for a couple of years now and, I don't really have a whole lot of options. So, um, I was lucky enough how wanted to put a deal back together for the following year. We'd talked about going silver crown racing and we'd talked about putting a super together and, you know, we talked about a number of different things. Well, we were both kind of separately watching the Knoxville nationals and, uh, and he called me that night. He's like, it's not a silver crown car. It's not a super. He said, we're going sprint car racing again. So we put the 46 car together. Okay. Um, and hired a, I hired a really good buddy of mine, uh, Shane Wisbin, And he and I clicked right off the bat. Whatever, whatever reason it is and whatever fit and form and function, um, it just went well. Wow. And uh, we got rolling pretty good. Um, to the point that you know, I'd we I'd been talking to somebody about doing an outlaw deal. Um, you know, we weren't winning a ton of races, but we were pretty consistently in the dash for outlaw races when we went. Um, we did get a, a you know a pretty big win that year. Um, we we were just on a roll, and we had old motors. Um, and, and that's, you know, a, a big part of it. So we felt like we could probably be competitive at the next level. Well, uh, as that year was winding up, you know, I knew the, I knew the, the band con thing with, with how was probably going to come to an end, but I wasn't too worried about it because, you know, I was talking to, um, I was talking to a couple people about doing an outlaw deal. Okay. Well, then, you know, late in that, just as our season ended, um, I hadn't really announced that we'd been talking to some people. And just before we were putting things together, before PRI, uh, somebody came along and hired Shane away. That took all the wind out of my sails. I just said right there, I can't deal with racing anymore. I don't want to um you know one of the things like i stood back and just said you know i don't want to be 50 years old and have to go get my first job and um to me that's what racing that that, that was a picture of the future for me so i just kind of stepped back from it and started a fabrication business um and that got going pretty well uh but there was just something missing And uh, I I was actually talking, a really close friend of mine, uh, Bobby Slack, who owns Bicknell Racing Products, or part of Bicknell's, um, was in my shop one night. And, you know, we were both talking about stuff we wanted to do and stuff that made sense to us and, you know, just what makes us happy. And, I mean, I've never been a fan of NASCAR. I'd never really watched NASCAR races. And I said, you know, I could probably go down there. And in five years, you know, have a have a decent little career out of it, uh, you know, more so on the engineering and, and, you know, car management side. Sure. And for some reason, we landed at a one dollar bet that in five years I couldn't become a crew chief. And uh, <laughs> so that's uh,
1: so that one dollar bet became a goal and became a motivator. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that, uh, and I went down there without, you know, I, I was lucky enough to kind of collapse up the business and, you know, we did, did okay with that. Um, didn't owe piles of money and, um, I I had kind of the freedom to just go down there and knock on some doors Sure. and I didn't really have a game plan for immigration. I didn't really have a game plan for what I could do. Uh, and I knocked on this one door at, uh, MB two. Oh yeah. okay. Um, and they didn't have a receptionist and one of the guys walking through the, um, they were in a new building and one of the guys walking through the showroom, I just kind of introduced myself. I said, Hey, my name's Ryan Conium and I'm, you know, looking to move down here and maybe work on a team. And the guy looked at me, he says, any relation to Warren? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's my dad. And so it turns out it was Ryan Pemberton, uh, oh, who, okay. I, who was from upstate New York.
1: Originally, yep.
2: Um, and he gave me my first job on the engineering team uh, at MB2. Wow. And so, you know, that, that's just kind of how it progressed. Um. And you know that was such a fun time. Uh, you know the guys that on the on the engineering side of it. You know we're still all really close friends, um, and it was a really interesting time to be getting into that because that's when you know tools to make race cars fast were just starting to evolve. Right. So you know we had very basic steady state simulation stuff and shaker rigs. And squish rigs and stuff like that. Um, so it was really, if you could kind of grasp it, um, and you could kind of figure out a way to come up with a cool way of of proving a concept, you got to do that because um, testing was starting to be restricted. Right. So yeah, you really had to exploit some of these tools. And uh, you know, one of the one of the benefits is growing up around the supers, um, you do, you, you, you have to be able to, well, you have to be able to machine, you have to be able to engineer. Um, and these were all tools that, you know, really got well exploited when I was in a cup deal. Um, and yeah, just kind of the right place at the right time, uh, in a couple of different situations. Um, I worked with Ryan there uh, then we got bought out by Ginn, and then we got bought out by DEI. That's right. Um, yep. And then from there, I went up and worked with Tommy Baldwin uh, at Bill Davis. Oh, okay. Um, and that, that was a really fun time because, you know, that was kind of at the emergence of uh, teams starting to become big teams, so Bill Davis at the time was, you know, a smaller team, uh, so you got to wear lots of different hats. Right. Um, so I worked with Tommy and Slugger Labby up there, um, and um, Dax one of the actually the race engineer that I I believe he's still on the four car, um, or Harvick drives. Okay. Um, he left to go to Michael Waltrip Racing. And we were just chatting one day and, uh, he was working with Ryan Pemberton over there and he's like, Hey, Ryan told me to give you a call. He says, would you consider coming over to MWR? And so, you know, that was kind of my first big team experience. So I was at MWR for a while. And, um, then from there, obviously I I came out to, uh, Colorado and worked with the 78 guys. And, uh, got to crew chief that car for a little while. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, a a pretty defining moment for me in that was, um, for whatever reason, I just didn't, I was, I was starting to peak out with it. It just wasn't me anymore. Um, I was at, we were at Dover, I believe, and it was a miserable It was a miserable Friday. It was a miserable Saturday. It didn't matter what we did to the race car. We went slower. Uh, You know, um, just you you go through those weekends. Sim tools aren't, you know, really lining up with what the car is doing. So you're kind of having to hillbilly or redneck your way through the weekend. So at the end of practice, uh, I was sitting in the motorhome and going through notes and trying to dartboard at a, at a wall to figure out what we should do for the next day. And uh, I went out in out – um, out front of Dover. There's, you know, some restaurants and stuff yeah. like that. So I, I, I walked out to go to a restaurant. And I'm all dejected and pissed off and miserable. And I happened to see uh, this family of four and, and they had uh, one of the, one of their kids was uh, handicapped and in a wheelchair and um, they're all wearing their probably Dale Earnhardt junior garb and excited nice. and thrilled. And, you know, I kind of stood back and said, this is the happiest day of their life and I am a miserable ass something's got to change here. So, um, you know, it wasn't too long after that, that, uh, that I was, I was done in NASCAR and ready to do something different.
1: Um, so let's, let's, uh, unpack a, a little bit of that more. You, you were at MWR for a while and that was obviously at that point in time, as I remember, that was a growing team. I mean, that was in their evolution as one of Toyota's, you know, top flagship yeah flagship teams um and then you ended up going to furniture row which of course um was at that point in time a team that was much smaller um and was on its way up in its arc you know its evolution but it was still a part-time team or maybe just a full-time team And it it you know they weren't obviously quite to the 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 caliber that they ended up being tell me um tell me what uh w- tell me about that transition and what it was like to go from sort of the what what I would compare to a more corporate environment at NWR to um over to Furniture Row and then how did you sort of end up being the crew chief for I think Regan Smith at the time right
2: Yeah so it pretty um I got exposed to some really great opportunities uh when I was at MWR uh, I was a race engineer and, you know, competition meetings and engineering meetings sure. and it, you know, it really, um, it, it, it was corporate that yeah. I think you, you said it best. Yeah. Uh, but I got to work with some really smart guys, Nick Hughes, who was the engineering manager, um, probably the smartest guy that's ever worked in NASCAR, my opinion, um, Dax Geringer, who's the race engineer, the lead engineer uh, over at Stuart Haas now. Okay. Um, the crew chief for Kyle Larson, Chad Johnson, was one of the race engineers. Oh, wow. Uh, Billy Scott, who I believe is uh, another uh, crew chief at uh, Stuart Haas today. I think he's with Amarola. Okay. Uh, so there was a group of us um, that... that really got to work on some cool stuff. Well, MWR kind of started the um, satellite team deal uh, with Germain Racing. And what they did is they would purchase cars off of MWR, and then they bought engineering from MWR. And I was what they bought. So I would go over there. Um, They didn't have... Uh, they had a really good truck program, but uh, that's a far cry from a solid cut program. Sure. Um, so with with Max, Pappas as the driver, um, Oh boy.: <laughs> yeah I did, uh, I did a lot of the um, I, I did a lot of the crew chief and race engineer job, uh, Hillman's. Uh, were, were treated me like gold. They, they, uh, I can't say enough about them. Um, they'd let me call the race. Oh, they wow. would, they would let me kind of just do whatever. And when Max ran the truck, they'd have me come in and work with Max on that, just so we could get a rhythm, uh, for the cup deal. And, you know, uh, eventually, um, so we eventually that got to be pretty onerous. And um, I, I talked them into hiring kind of a, a more seasoned crew chief so I could kind of just focus on the engineering side of things. because um, it was a pretty daunting task uh, to I have would the imagine. satellite. Yeah, it's
1: like two full time two full time yeah. jobs almost.
2: Yeah. So I um, hired uh, Peter Suspenzo. Ah uh, and, okay. and I worked I worked with Peter for a while. And then uh, followed on by, uh, by Booty Barker. Okay. And I, I got to work with, uh, with Booty for a while. And, uh, you know, that, that was a, a great education. You know, it, it allowed me to do the job at first and go, okay, you know, there's some things that I got to work on if I would want to do this, you know, kind of at the primo level. And, the crew chief part, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And be yeah. good at it. Um, and then got to step back and work with some of these more seasoned crew chiefs and, you know, got to watch what they did. And, you know, from a, from a technical standpoint, we were pretty well in alignment, but from a tactical standpoint, um, you know, there was some things that I thought they did really well. So it was, it was a good education.
1: And then, um, What was uh, let me let me I want to know what was it like to work with Max Pappas as a driver? Because you know what I had the pleasure to interview him a couple times. He is a scream. Yeah,
2: Um, (laughs) we we're hilarious. Yeah, we're we're pretty good friends, and you know he he and I had a pretty good relationship. I'll I'll never forget this one time. Uh, We actually got rolling pretty good. We could qualify really well. We would man most times we would outqualify qualify the, the other MWR cars. Well, we were at Texas. I think it was Texas. And uh, I think we qualified like third or fourth. And, you know, we're debriefing and Max is all pumped up. And the next day we had, you know, P2 and uh, happy hour. Right. And we just kind of fell back into that rhythm where, you know, our race program – wasn't as strong as our qualifying program right so you know you're looking at 10 lap averages and you're looking at speeds and you're going oh man this could be this could be ugly so uh Wells and hillman and myself uh were meeting about you know the next day's events and uh they just looked at me and they said well what do you think and i said this start could be could be pretty messy and uh, they kind of looked, and they said, "Yeah." And you know, they they were kind of they were beating around the bush, but not so much, uh, not pretty obvious about it right. about how to uh, how to maybe convince Max to start at the back. Oh, and I was like, okay. I was like, you know, I, I don't think he's going to go for that. So um, the next day, uh, the driver and crew chief meeting um is pretty critical. And if you're late to that, you start at the back. Well that next day I uh, I was pretty late to it. So needless to say I, I had some apologies <laughs> to do to Max. But uh but Hillman and you know some of the other folks uh certainly like Cal Wells being one of them was uh, smiled as I, I as I walked by and he just Oh, that was clever.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say you picked a really interesting way to solve a problem, right?
2: Yeah. So you know, that that kind of gave me the really good contrast between the big corporate team and, you know, the smaller team. I just felt like the smaller teams to me felt more like the racing I could relate to, you know. I think Um, that's still true today too. Yeah, you you do what you you know you do what you got to do uh, to get out there and win. And uh, so Regan called. He and I knew each other fairly well from the MB2 days. Uh, we just became good friends, never really worked together. Um, just a, a little bit um, during the, the new season with the COT, um, Mark Martin was sharing some of the races with Regan. So that's kind of where Regan and I worked together on a real superficial level. At that time, I I think I was a second race engineer, so an assistant race engineer. Um, He knew that I really wasn't digging the satellite team thing uh, with um, MWR because we didn't really have a chance to win that many races. We were really competitive at road courses and, you know, some super speedways, but... We were never going to, you know, knock it out of the park for, um, mile and a half and stuff like that. Right. So he just called and he said, Hey, um, furniture row is going to go back racing full time. Uh, why don't you come out here with, uh, and, um, race engineer as, uh, for Jay guy and myself. So what I did is, uh, they were going to fly me out so I could meet with, uh, Joe Garoni and, you know, some of the team. And, uh, I left for the, I decided, uh, I was going to leave for the airport really late. And if I still made my flight, I was just going to take the job. So, uh, (laughs) I made my flight and landed in Denver and I think it was October um, and, uh, there was snow on the ground and I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and, um, yeah, it took the job and you know, the rest is history.
1: So you went out there to be a race engineer and ended up as the crew chief. Yeah. So I, I finished
2: the last couple races with them. Um, and we were in Miami and, you know, um, and, and you know, some of the, some of the folks that, I kind of grew up neck and neck with in that in, in those roles. Right. Um, One of them was, was Travis Geisler uh, who's now like the president of Penske Penske. racing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he and I were talking and I, and I forget what it was that he specifically said or however it came up, but I kind of walked away with that from that conversation thinking, I think Jay Guy is going to leave Furniture Row Racing and go to Penske. Um, So, you know, that night, this was just before Homestead. So, you know, the last day of school is kind of how that feels. Okay. Um, So we went out for dinner the night before the race. And I said, uh, are you going to be here next year? And he just kind of looked at me like I had two heads. (laughs) Like, how did he find out? And, uh, you know, I, at the time he hadn't signed the contract, um, but he was considering it. And so, you know, when he finally decided to go do the Keselowski deal, um, that left the spot open and, uh, they were willing to give me a shot and, you know, we had a, we had a pretty good, uh, we had a pretty good start to the season. It didn't, uh, I didn't stay indefinitely, um, which was fine. Um, but we had a great start to the season, and it worked out good for everybody. And you know, I uh, made my one
1: dollar bet. Because <laughs> you did it in five years. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. So it was it was pretty exciting. <laughs> That's um,
2: true. You know, the I'll never forget uh, another good Max Papa story. So we were uh, at a road course. I want to say it was Sonoma. And, uh, and we, we had a good run going. I think we were running like third or fourth towards the end of the, towards the end of the race. And, uh, Gordon punted us and we slid off the racetrack and slid back to eight. And, uh, after the race, you know, Max was, Max was pretty happy. Um, and we were debriefing and, you know, I was just kind of frustrated with the whole, uh, getting punted thing. Yeah. Well, Ken House, who was the president of uh, Hendrick Motorsports, came over to shake Max's hand and tell him he did such a good job. And Max turned to me and he says, well, isn't that great? Ken House noticed how we ran. And I said, you know what? You should have pushed him over and told him Jeff Gordon was an idiot. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was. uh,
1: What was Max's reaction to that? I, he just said, no,
2: you wouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> I said, I would have. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, it. <laughs> well, that's so. it. why you're not NASCAR anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, part that's, of that it, whole maybe, I don't lose well kind of thing.
2: Maybe therein lies the, uh, the lack of my political capital.
1: Yeah, well, and see, the thing I love about Max is Max, Max he'll, he'll do some goofy thing or say some goofy thing, and you'll be like, Max, what in the world? And he'll just look at, look at you and go, I'm Italian. It, you know, that's yeah. like his favorite pet phrase, I'm Italian. Um, yeah. But he's just, he is one of those guys in the sport that I've met. And, and just every time I get the chance to, to, to talk to him, I feel at the end like, number one, I've talked to somebody that, that's been around the block a little bit. But number two, I've had the greatest time of my life because he's just so entertaining.
2: You know what? He is such a good, down-to-earth, Humble person, really him is. and Tatiana. I mean, Tatiana Fittipaldi, You know, yeah. you don't get any larger than life than her dad. No. Um, but uh, Max and and his boys, uh, just such a, a, a great family. Uh, so many laughs. You know, and and he was one of the ones. Like, you know, when you when you talk about guys just clicking, you know, we get along really well. And we could yell and scream at one another, and then right afterwards we'd be, you know, back sure. to focusing on the on the task at hand. So um, I talked to Max once in a while, but it, it's it's been a long time. I know his steering wheel business is going really oh, well, yeah. and I'm happy for him. Great job with that. Um, yeah, so you got to meet so many interesting and exciting people uh, through that. Um, it, it was a really fun time and. Boy, did I get to meet some smart folks! Oh, I bet. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, so, you, you
1: had the you. You didn't. Uh, now, you did. You did. You crew chief that whole year with Regan, or you?
2: No, um, I'm trying to remember. I, for, I, I forget exactly when it, it was later in the season, but um, but I was I was done before the end of the year.
1: Okay, and was that kind of a mutual thing, or is that? <laughs> You know, I, they had some plans. Um, was that when uh, they went with RCR and Shane Wilson? Came, was it Shane Wilson that came over?
2: No, um, we actually started the RCR deal uh, at the start of the year. Okay. So the first five races we ran on our own cars, uh, and we did okay. Um, and then the next five, or then after that, we we started putting RCR cars together. Okay. Um, no. Um, Pete, Pete Rondo took over after. Pete Rondeau, that's right. Yeah, that's right. after. But, you know, I, I was able, so Cole is Canadian. He and I raced go-karts together as kids. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool, being able to hire Cole and bring him out. We had a lot of fun. Um, I, th- I think we put together a really good group of guys, and, you know, there was quite a few of them um, that were a part of the 78 the success. So um that was a lot of fun it, yeah. it, it, it was really interesting to kind of step back and see how that come together
1: well and you, it, you know it's kind of another example too about how it's sort of all um a, a straight line path even if you don't see it at the time because you ended up um working with who was it it was barney right viscer um, yeah
2: yeah barney and i started a, a pretty cool manufacturing business yeah Uh, after that and he gave me a great opportunity and you know we did some really amazing things
1: so you know that that sort of went in a direction that maybe you wouldn't have expected but it kind of got you out of that weekly racing grind a little bit it did you know
2: it, it it sure did
1: and then you still kept racing at least, you know, on a part time basis because we saw well, you a few times with the super and such. I,
2: I, I started to again. Yeah. I would call it, it's I would call it it's my golf game. Yeah. Um, that's that's kinda how I describe it to people. Um and you know, it was really spotty. I when we first put the super together, um Man, that thing is fast, but it, it was not super reliable. As it turns out, we had oil pan problems, oh, okay. um, which, which would kind of always plague us with that car. But uh, that was fun to do. And, you know, that, that just getting back to Super Modifieds and the root of Super Modifieds was just so exciting. And, you know, getting to exploit some of the engineering that I had learned in the cup deal um, that, that was. That was uh, it was fun to see that come full circle,
1: and now you've kind of changed direction again. And as you said, kind of new career. You moved, moved a little bit further back east again, and uh, we see you occasionally with uh, with Mike and the Wicked team run a a show or two. Happy to, that we saw you back in Oswego for for Classic Weekend. Um, but we, you're now kind of going back to the sprint car portion of yeah. Yeah, I don't know
2: how many years I've got left to run competitively. Uh, You know, um, some guys do it till their 50s, and, you know, you got Sammy Swindell, who's still doing it. Uh, (laughs) I I don't know that I could ever be that guy. Um, I'd like to take it pretty serious this year coming. You know, the plan was this past year, I felt like we'd put everything together to be really, really on point in the 360 deal. And, uh, you know, the, the guy that I'd got to work for us, um, he and I didn't click. It just, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where if you can't be on the same page immediately, you're probably not going to get there. And a a really good example of that is, um, Martin Truex today, you know, Martin started at the 78 car, um, after Kurt Busch had finished and the crew chief was Todd Barrier, who I think is probably one of the best crew chiefs in the NASCAR garage, or yep. was. Yep. Um, and Kurt and Todd went really well together. But just, you know, luck and, and stuff like that, it didn't work out. Well, the following year was Kurt and, or was, I'm sorry, Todd and Martin. And they struggled. Yeah. they they just they couldn't find a rhythm they I don't even think they had that many top 10s um but the following year when you pair uh Cole Pern and Martin up yeah man they they just set the word, world on fire so you know when when people ask about that it's not a specific driver and it's not a specific crew chief it's about you know working together and i would say that this year Uh, as much as I had expected to really work well with, uh, Brian Kemenaw, uh, he and I just could not get on the same page and, and things suffered because of that. We didn't end up racing that much. Um, but, uh, I think next year we've, we've got a plan that hopefully we can be back to where I would like to be. And, you know, we're, we're, uh, performing the way we want. That's awesome. I was lucky enough, you know, to ran the super I think five shows this year. Um, at good speed in most of them, you know, not a lot of luck. I think our first show was UCASA and uh we were running like third there and uh had a water pump problem. Um I think we went to where else oh Delaware. We were say, really I think good you at were Delaware uh we were running second or third at delaware and broke a rear end uh obviously oswego didn't work out no that
1: was like wait a minute he's not supposed to the car's not supposed to wind up like that yeah
2: so uh you know that um but hopefully next year you know i can run 25 to 30 sprint car races and Hopefully, you know, the same kind of five or so super races, okay. five or eight.
1: Is there a chance that we could see you in a situation where maybe at some point we get to see you actually run the classic? Um,
2: you know, I think with the new wing package, um, it opens itself. There, there's probably more. Options yeah, that. But, you know, here's the thing. Showing up to run the classic, if you're not doing a on a pretty steady diet and running lots of laps and doing a fair bit of testing, you're probably not going to win. So, I'm probably not going to be in a car that's capable of winning. I, I don't know that I would get that opportunity. Um, so it, that would be a tough thing. I, you know, I think I can get in an Isma car and and be competitive. Right. Um, just because of my experience and my background, I'm not sure that I have that same opportunity in a non-wing car.
1: <clears throat> well, uh, that all makes sense. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take you any way we can get you at the Oswego Speedway because we all appreciate yeah. you very much. And
2: Don't and, get uh, me wrong. I'd love to do it. Oh, I'm sure, uh, yeah. And, and if, if the opportunity presented itself, uh, I, would, I would probably do it. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, I, I want to take the sprint car pretty serious. Um, and, and I'd really like to get back to running where I I think we should be running.
1: Now, Mike Lichty said something to me after the classic about the possibility that he may be running some sprint car shows with you this coming year. Yeah. He, he
2: bought, uh, he bought a sprint car, uh, bought a hauler, um, He's going to be ready to go shortly, so wow. we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. I, you know, lots of people ask about the differences, um, but it, here's what I would say. Uh, super Modifieds, like, they got a lot of tire. They're a light race car. They got a lot of downforce, and you got to hustle them yeah. to make them feel comfortable. Uh, and it is my car, anyhow. Yeah. Um, you just described a sprint car you know although one's on dirt and one's on asphalt you know there, there's some key principles there okay. that uh that kind of lend each other um some parallelism gotcha and um so i i don't think the difference is as drastic as what people
1: think interesting okay so where will we find you racing the the sprint car in 2020 and how much of how much of that, I mean, as much as you can kind of speak to what you know about Mike's plans, how much of that might we see Mike, you know, running alongside you with? But where do we where do we find you next year? Are you going to be running up in ESS territory, or are you running just kind of an outlaw schedule, or what is your plan?
2: It'll be a lot of hit and miss, but, you know, there's some really good paying races in between ESS, Patriots. There's a couple of open shows. Um, you know, it'll be, I think a lot of upstate New York, uh, of course, Oshwegan, um, is a big Canadian racetrack that has, I mean, it's one of my favorites. Um, so I, I could, I could see us going up there. Um, hard to say what Mike's schedule is just yet. Um, I I think he's going to kind of wait and get things put together and see where that lands, um, before he commits to a schedule. But I have to imagine that we'll do a lot of the same shows.
1: Interesting. Okay, so it sounds like Mike is ready to to take that leap a little bit too, and maybe cut back a bit on his uh, super modified racing, perhaps.
2: Well, you know, with the supers, you know, they're down to a fairly small schedule, um, so I, I think you can actually do both and not okay. really have to cut back too much on supers. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what Brad's plans are yet um but i have to imagine we'll do a similar ask type of thing and, and hopefully i'm lucky Good. enough to still be running the car from time to time um obviously i really enjoy it and um it's really cool to get to see some of the people that i've uh grown up with and um yeah hopefully i, I still can
1: absolutely well you know we certainly uh wish you all the luck in the world and whatever you do going forward we uh we we'd love to see you in the supers as much as you know you can do it and want to do it but uh the sprint car deal is wicked cool and you know i mean you're still you're still fairly young right i mean we th- 30 31 No man i'll be
2: uh, i'll be 40 next week No way so, really Yeah wow yeah. <laughs> It's uh I've put myself through its paces. No too, idea. So.
1: Wow. Okay. So yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you're, you're certainly in terms of the calendar anyway, you know, uh, with the exception of a few, like you said, Sammy's still doing it. And you know, there's some other folks that, you know, My gosh, you got Buzzy Ruderman still winning races in Florida in a modified. And he's, you know, he's got to be his eighties. I mean, you know, or high seventies yep. anyway. Um, but you know you're right you probably the calendar says you know do it while you can and of course be, you know kind of keep yourself fit and and do some of those things um you know you can probably hang around a little longer but uh it'll just be fun to see where this next chapter of your journey takes you and certainly um you know we look forward to following you in it and it's been fun to sort of sit back and just uh remember your career a little bit because uh you know i know like i said my my first recollection of of meeting you was actually niagara falls at one of the go-kart races you were running um and you know that was i think those weekends with the go-karts and the in the um tq midgets were just a blast when they used to do that oh
2: when we when we raced indoors yeah Yeah, i used to love that
1: yeah I mean, you know, so much fun. And then, you know, had the chance to, um, to, to, of course, you know, it was funny when you and Regan got together because I, I had to look at that twice. I said, well, now this is interesting. You got two, you know, young guys from – you know, you're from Canada, but we know you kind of from New York, so it's almost like you're a New Yorker as well, um, but roots there in the racing sense, and, and Regan's from Cato, and, and you know, and of course, I've known Regan since he almost the day started racing microds at Syracuse, um, and it was funny because I I remembered yesterday, and I thought this would be kind of a funny story to tell because it kind of talks to how long we've been connected. Do you remember when, um, I invited you to come up and run, uh, with the Mike rod club, the one night for, uh, uh, gosh, Jerry Gould, I think it was, was in a model, open wheel car and you, you and your dad came up there. And, um, I, I think the guy ended up blowing like three motors. that night. Just, uh, do you remember, do remember doing that? that? I <laughs> just, I, I remember <laughs>
2: we, uh, I remember it was a rough night and yeah. I remember we have, we had, we had to hustle out of there cause I had to go to run a big go-kart race. That's
1: right. Uh, yep.
2: somewhere after that. But, it, it- uh, if you tell me that Regan was there,
1: I would be pretty shocked. Now, I, I can't swear to that because Regan, it's, I don't remember exactly what year that would have been. Like, I'd have to go back and figure out by the calendar because Regan came down here when he was about, I think they moved down here when he was like 11 or 12. So he may or may not have been, but that's where he started, and and. Um, and so, you know, just again, another of those little connectors, and, and, um, I'm thankful that despite the way that night went, you still, um, you and your dad still allowed me to have any credibility when it came to your career. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> that, wasn't, it,
2: obvious. That's the way it goes
1: that wasn't a good start. Right. Um, but it was fun and, and, uh, you know, it's, you're right. That's, that's how racing goes. But, um, Ryan, again, thanks for, um, thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat with, with me and, and, uh, with us as our inside groove family. And, uh, look forward to getting together again as you uh, get your sprint car stuff cranked up here, and uh, we'll keep everybody apprised of how the season's going for you. And that, do you know when your first race is going to be? Have you gotten that far yet? Not,
2: not a hundred percent. It'll. I we we talked about going to Florida and running the Florida series, but I just don't see us doing that. It'll be you know April, I early you. April, sometime. I would think.
1: Well we'll look forward to uh we'll look forward to touch a base then uh, as we get get into the spring and we'll keep updated uh throughout the summer with you on how you're doing because I know that uh you get a lot more fans than you probably realize uh that that we're fans of yours because I'm sure of your dad partially but then also just because of you when you ran at Oswego in the limited and I know that uh everybody's going to want to kind of keep uh Keep an eye on how you're doing so we'll do our best here as long as you'll have us to uh, chat every now and again and bring you back here and and just uh, let everybody stay up to date on how things are going for you.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I just I I can't thank everybody enough because it's, you know, their support that allows us to keep doing what we love to do. And, um, you know, I just humbly I, I say thanks
1: well uh we appreciate you as well and uh that is ryan conium we're going to step aside when we come back i'll have a few closing thoughts here uh on this edition of inside groove so stick with us we'll be back in just a flash everyone knows strut is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles and now we offer motorcycle products Ryan Conium for the time that he just gave us and the opportunity to kind of relive his career. Um, Certainly there are many places we could have gone with him in terms of specific stories, super modified related and, you know, with his dad and whatnot, but uh, thought that uh, we would save those for an opportunity to get him back on again. As we get closer to the coming racing season and he gets more of his sprint car schedule finalized um he was a driver that uh obviously did not stay the swiggo for very long but certainly uh part of a a, a family a big family with uh the coniums and the sires that um were just part of a swiggo speedways golden era of super modified racing so uh, that was fun, an opportunity also to hear about his experiences in NASCAR as well, um, and uh, it's it's just uh, cool to sit back and talk with someone who's done as much in the sport as he has and is now sort of circling back uh, to his roots, if you will, or close to his roots with the sprint car, and it sounds like uh, Mike Lichty and he are going to make an interesting pair to watch at some of the races up that way, so those of you uh, in central new york are probably going to get to see the pair of them uh at least a few times or you know often time uh running together so um you know that will be a lot of fun and uh it'll be enjoyable to go watch that uh, form of racing okay um we uh weren't able to have camden on today because he was uh he was off in niagara falls <laughs> doing some family things and uh stalking Rick Springfield once again. Um and uh I'm jealous, but uh that's okay. We'll uh get we'll get him back on next week and we'll talk about the banquet and the Hall of Fame uh induction that went on uh last weekend and uh so we'll we'll get to that. Uh certainly excited about a lot of things that are coming up. At the Oswego Speedway in the coming year and super modified racing in general and excited to uh, continue to do this show each week throughout the winter and feature uh, drivers of all eras. Uh, We've got a a list of a few drivers coming up. We'll keep you uh, apprised of who we've got ahead of us as we go into the holiday season uh, as we go. So for our sponsors, first of all, um, JNS Paving, uh, Skips Fish Fry, and, of course, IPC Indy and for uh Ryan Conium and for Camden Proud who uh was off this week but like I said we'll try to get him back on next week and uh get things going we're a little bit late this week we apologize for that my schedule just uh got a little bit crazy the uh, latter part of the work week so um Saturday became a great time to sit back and talk racing a little bit uh and we thank you for uh your patience in those situations by the way before I cut out of here, had a chance to spend some time with Jody dates. And for those of you who follow Jody and, you know, have been keeping up with the progress that Kempton is making on the restored 1977 track championship winning car that he drove. uh, It's really amazing. And I got to tell you, I am so excited to see how excited Kemp is and how motivated he's been um, I love seeing these restored supers, just absolutely love seeing them. I know how much work I can only. Well, I don't even want to say, I know I can only imagine how much work it is. I know that there are a number of people who are in process with different cars. Now, um, Larry Trinka told me, and I hope I get this right, that he's got the, um, Former Joya 75 era, 76 classic winning car. Uh, I believe he said he's almost got it to being a rolling chassis now. Um, and uh, of course, there are many other people working on other cars, but I wanted to uh, just talk about the date situation a little bit and let you all know that that was coming along, maybe even uh, ahead of expectations. And that has not been without the help of an awful lot of people. I'm not going to mention names because I'll forget people and leave them out, and I don't want to do that. But the real amazing thing and the and the real lesson that we keep learning in situations like this is that Supermodified Racing, the fraternity, it's a family. And there have been a lot of uh, present and former racers and people who are involved in racing. Um, that have sort of given this over here and done this and, you know, building this and donating this and, um, just a lot of, a lot of folks helping out in that effort to rebuild th- the Red Creek rocket. And I just think it's amazing. And, um, looking forward, there is going to be a book that's going to come out. Uh, Fay Dates has kept just phenomenal records of Kemp's career over the years. And, uh, Jody, and Fay and some others are helping to put together a book that's going to come out um, about Kempton. And um, so, again, uh, not just cool stuff coming in terms of the racing uh, that's coming up at the Oswego Speedway next year, but at some point in the season, you're going to see the Red Creek Rocket 28, and it's going to be at the track, and it's going to be rolling, and it will take laps in some form or fashion. Um, and that to me is uh, as exciting as any racing news will get all winners. So there you have it uh, again for all the sponsors and everyone who helps make this possible. And for all of you who listen every week and share it to help keep uh, everybody apprised of what's going on and help uh, help us to build new fans. And we need you to keep doing that, please. We uh, the numbers fluctuate a little bit given the week, and I know sometimes it's not consistent when we get it out. But uh, really important for all of you to to share it because we we just want as many fans as possible to know that it exists, so that when we talk about things like Kempton dates restoring a car, more people find out about it, and hopefully they swarm the Oswego Speedway um, on the night that that car is going to be there and taking laps. Uh, and I just, uh, I can't get over how quickly that's all coming together. So thanks to all of you. Another uh, inside group comes to a close until next week, when hopefully Cam will be able to rejoin me again. And um, we'll talk about uh, the, the banquet and the Hall of Fame induction and any news that he has at that time about what's uh, going on for next season. Uh, I'm Tom Baker. Thank you all for listening. Have a blessed racing weekend whether you're watching or just talking about it because we all know that we never completely tune out of it so have a blessed racing weekend everybody so long
0: you've been listening to inside groove powered by ipc indy creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive aerospace and communications industries find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com inside groove is a race chaser media production